Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report. I am Blaine Gilmer. This is Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC sports coverage. 7 o'clock Saturday night in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the Swamp. Have there ever been more eyeballs on a game that features one team that is just seeking bowl eligibility and one team that is undefeated. The Florida State Seminoles come in with everything out in front of them, with Tate Rodemaker taking over at quarterback for Jordan Travis, 11-0 on the year, looking to stay undefeated, number five in the college football playoff rankings. They got dropped one spot in favor of Washington. And the Florida Gators looking for bowl eligibility, having to replace their quarterback as well, Graham Mertz, uh, is out with a collarbone injury, and you have Max Brown coming in. We have some thoughts on that matchup. Going to share them here in just a little bit. Guys, it's going to be a unique situation there in the swamp for many reasons. But, guys, what else is unique is the ability to use Bet Online for all your, your wagering action, all of your betting info, things of that nature, guys. And this holiday season is off and rolling with – NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. Guys, you got to have the info before you can get to get all the all the news, all the predictions, all the all the trends before you can go in and, and lay down that that uh, hard earned money on on some of these sporting events. You got to got to know everything that's going on, and they have up to minute. Wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, not just the big four, okay? Not just the big four major pro sports, but Bet Online has information at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that there is. I don't know if they have pickleball on there yet, okay? I don't know if they got the professional pickleball league, but they got MMA, uh, they got international soccer. Head over to betonline.ag today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, BetOnline, where the game starts. And as I mentioned, we're going to start talking here today about Florida State and Florida. Uh, as this one as this one goes, guys, it is going to be a uh, Florida State six-and-a-half-point favorite at Florida. Uh, that was up, you know, before the the injuries to both quarterbacks. That was about, you know, ten point favorite in favor of Florida State. So losing Jordan Travis is a big deal. And here's the thing: Tate Rodemaker has been around this program for a while. Fourth year in the season, uh, you know, been in Mike Norvell's system. So yes, there's some in, uh, built in advantages and stuff like that. He's not going to be, you know, totally unfamiliar with things. And he has played in the past. He's came in at different times and, and relieved Jordan Travis. He's came in and helped when, when Jordan Travis has been hurt at different times before. However, this is a totally different situation because now you are coming in as the guy on the road with more expectations upon this program and more anticipation of what this program could do in just a couple of weeks than has been around Florida State in a long, long time. And 
how do you handle that, right? How do you handle the the first start, especially in this impact of uh, impactful situation on the road? Listen, you you look at a guy like Carson Beck at Georgia, right? He was in Georgia's system, fourth year guy coming in this year, and he got a chance to kind of cut his teeth as a starter, get his first start since high school against UT Martin. And he said he was about to throw up going out there in that game. And that was at home against an F, uh, FCS school, one that, that didn't even really belong on the field with Georgia. And he had some butterflies. He had some issues. He had some struggles uh, early on in that game. How does Tate Rodemaker handle the noise? How does he handle all of the, the, the anticipation of that fan base? How does he handle the, the expectations of that program the way that, that Jordan Travis has led that team. There's a lot on Tate Rodemaker, and there's going to be all this coach speak all week from Mike Norvell and, and from all the players that, hey, Tate's just got to go out there and play, and he's just got to go out there, and he doesn't have to do any more than, than, he, than he can do, just go out there and play the way he knows how to play, and that's fine. Uh, that's, what, that's what everybody has to say, but it's a lot different, and I will say this. You got to give uh, Florida credit defensively for playing more physical uh, than I thought they would be able to play against against Missouri, and that was on the road, the number nine team in the country. They, they played played physical uh, defensively. Now they still gave up some, some big plays, and they've got to cut down on the explosives. But the thing about it is you're going to have an opportunity with a young, in terms of playing experience, a young uh, quarterback, it's going to come in in a situation that he's never been in before, and how does that how does that swamp crowd play against uh, you know Tate Rodemaker's you know operating of that offense for Florida State? That'll be interesting. Now, the thing that Rodemaker has going for his advantage is he doesn't have to be perfect in this game because he's got a couple of erasers on the outside and Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, that if you just throw it up in their vicinity, a lot of times they're going to come down with the ball. They're going to make plays on 50-50 balls. So that's something he's got to rely on. But the biggest question, I think, for Florida State and subsequently for Florida is, is how what kind of an impact will the swamp crowd and also the aggressive defense of Armstrong for Florida have on Rodemaker in his in his first start this year. Florida's very aggressive, very aggressive on defense. Um, they bring a lot of corner blitzes. Uh, you're going to see the nickel come a lot. I mean, they 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 bring people from everywhere, and they're very aggressive. Now, they don't get home a lot. Uh, don't have a ton of sacks, but they're going to be bringing a lot of pressure, a lot of different looks to see what Tate Rodemaker can handle and how much him and those wide receivers will be on the same page because there's an element of it too. There's timing, uh, there's there's side adjustments, there's seeing hot routes, there's there's knowing, okay, when this guy is going to settle and avoid, when he's going to keep running. So there's a lot of elements and stuff that you have to take care of if you are Florida State on offense. Now, there's also questions about what is Florida State going to have to prepare for defensively because of Max Brown, a totally different type of quarterback than Graham Mertz. Now, Billy Napier may be, and the biggest question for Florida is, what if this is the most true 
form of Billy Napier that we will have been able to see during his entire tenure at Florida. What do I mean by that? Billy Napier with Levi Lewis at ULL when he was uh, at Louisiana Lafayette, he was able to use Levi Lewis in a lot of the zone read, zone bluff game, uh, you know, get a lot of heavy play action with just that quarterback action of really riding things down into the line in the gut of that of that running back and then being able to, to pull and pop as Levi Lewis was a left-handed quarterback, Max Brown's right-handed. But we saw the flash of his athleticism against Missouri. Uh, of course, Missouri having to adjust on the fly really for Max Brown there. But the thing that you know Florida State's going to try to do uh, they're going to try to get an extra hat in the box. They're going to try to play man coverage on the outside against guys like like Trey Wilson, or like Ricky Pearsall, and try to prevent that Florida run game from, from hurting them. However, even with Anthony Richardson at times when, when Billy Napier had him, they were not you know gung-ho on doing a lot of quarterback run. They didn't want to get him hurt, didn't feel like they had a backup in the situation and things like that. Well, now – Here's the deal. You you got, you know, Billy Napier's playing with house money. He's got to go out there. He's not supposed to beat Florida State anyways. You're trying to get bowl eligible. And now you have gotten rid of more of your pro-style type quarterback with a with a collarbone injury uh, in Graham Mertz. And now you have a guy who's a dual threat type guy uh, who's going to be very successful on different elements of of quarterback run and the read game and things of that nature maybe even spring a couple of specific rpos based off of those those runs also some of the some getting some more bootleg action and things like that going i think you're going to see billy napier empty the bag in this one in terms of okay what can i do with an athletic quarterback and it may be, like I said, the most tr- the truest form. And what if it is the truest form of what Billy Napier wants to be offensively by being able to move that quarterback around uh, in terms of in the run game, by being able to move the pocket a lot more, things of that nature. So it's going to be interesting to see what Max Brown does. Now, I think that Florida State feels they're, they're able to man up the receivers for, uh, for Florida. Uh, I know Ricky Pearsall has been very good at times, and Trey Wilson is a, is a very good athlete. But I think Florida State feels confident in their ability, like I said, to to play some man coverage on the back end and to put an extra hat in the box. But the thing that the quarterback run game does is it negates that strategy for Florida State by adding an extra player. You get an extra player at the point of attack when you add the quarterback run element, whether it's a lead blocker from the running back or whether it's being able to have the read element where you don't have to block a guy at all and you just read him. You know, if you can't block him, read him. That's what my high school coach uh, would tell us a lot of times. And and when they've got just a, a boy dog over there on the other side, whether it's Jared Verse and you don't want to, uh, you know, try to try to block that future first-round draft pick or something, well, just read him sometimes, okay? Uh, you know, find out where, the, where it's going to be, whether it's zone read, uh, zone read bluff, whether it's power read, um, quarterback counter, whatever it is, I think you could see Billy Napier have a lot of fun with doing some things in terms of the quarterback run game. That then, once they once they are concerned, then you got to worry about eye discipline in the back end, and maybe that gets you an opportunity to get some play action passes to uh, Trey Wilson, 
to Ricky Pearsall. So things of that nature. It's going to be interesting. Um, a lot of eyeballs, like I said, I, I, I picked in our predictions at the start of the week. Listen, I picked Florida State to win on the road, but I think it'll be very, very close. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Gators do end up pulling out the upset, especially when you look more and more into the added element of Max Brown's legs and some of the designs that Billy Napier Listen, nobody's questioned how creative Billy Napier is offensively. He tries to tries to do a lot of different things, a lot of pre-snap motions. Um, you know, gets people gets people off balance at different times. Um, and and Florida has been able to put up points at different times this year. I mean, you look at like I said, they went on the road uh, to Missouri and put up thirty-one points, and and we're in a position to win that football game. I just couldn't get a stop at the end, and. When it when it comes down to that, guys, uh, you know, here's the thing: it's going to have to be everybody around Max Brown for Florida stepping up as well. Whether it's the receivers um, making a play on a ball that's not necessarily 100 percent in the right spot, okay, making a terrific play as we've seen Ricky Pearsall do a lot this year, uh, you know, with with different acrobatic type catches. Whether it's the defense uh, just being able to being able to get off the field a little bit better on, on third down and not putting um, not putting Max Brown in a position where he's having to swap scores with Florida State, that's big for a guy making making his first start. But, you know, that, that crowd energy, I think, is going to help out a lot, and it's going to be an interesting matchup. But like I said, people in Tuscaloosa are going to be watching this one after the conclusion of the, of the Iron Bowl where Auburn should take care of, of – or Alabama should take care of Auburn. And then you've got the Texas fans that are going to be tuned in uh, watching. Georgia's going to be going on the same time. And the reason I say Georgia is because right now, the more teams that go down, whether it's Florida State, Washington, uh, even Oregon's plays Oregon State, all these different teams, the loser of of that, if, if Georgia were to lose to Alabama in the SEC championship very, very closely, well, the more of those teams have one loss, the more Georgia compares favorably against those one-loss teams and would have a chance to, uh, you know, maybe get in there in the, in the college football playoff still if they lose a close game to to Alabama in the SEC championship. However, uh, they're they're just looking to just win out and and, and make it in. There's so many different scenarios in the college football playoff here that it is going to be interesting, but there is no mistake about it. This game in Gainesville, Florida on Saturday night is going to be one of the most impactful games of the college football season. And who would have thought that coming into the year? We didn't think uh, who would have, who would have known. We thought, hey, you know, Jordan Travis is rolling. Uh, Florida's going to have a rough year. Many of us thought, you know, Florida would go. Four and eight, five and seven, kind of what we predicted earlier this year. But now a chance for Billy Napier to get to a bowl game, uh, to get some some reps for some young guys if they can win this game and play spoiler here in the in the world of college football. So that would be a big deal for the Florida Gators. The next question that we have is about another game. It is Arkansas. Uh taking on Missouri at home. They are a seven and a half point underdog. They just learned that their head coach, Sam Pittman, is going to be coming back. My question is, what kind of an impact will that have on this team? Now, a bigger impact is that Rocket Sanders is going to be out, already announced for the game, so we know that's tough, not having to 
not having that type of running back to hand the ball to and help KJ Jefferson out. But there's a lot of elements in this one. This could be KJ Jefferson's last game at Arkansas. He hasn't officially made a statement one way or another. He's already Arkansas's all-time leading passer, could become the first 8,000-yard passer for Arkansas with 91 passing yards in this game. So that'll be uh, interesting to see if can make history and do all those kind of things. And is this the last time that he plays in Fayetteville? But also another element of this game we need to look at is even though Rocket Sanders is out for Arkansas, Missouri comes into this one as the more beat-up team. So my question for Missouri is what is the health of this Missouri team? You look at this stretch that they've had playing after their bye week, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, three physical contests that have really taken their toll in this one, and they've got some key guys that are listed as questionable uh, for this game, whether it is Javon Foster, um, who obviously is a tremendous offensive lineman for Missouri. Uh, you got Chuck Hicks, Tyrone Hopper, uh, Brent Norfleet, and then Enos Rakestraw, all questionable for this game. Rakestraw, of course, uh, a lockdown corner for Missouri, and that would certainly give K.J. Jefferson – uh, a boost in that pass game if he if they have to play a backup guy now. Rake Straw has been out at different points in the year, so Missouri has developed a little bit of depth there behind him. However, it's always nice to have one of your top two guys in there, as when they when Missouri defensively has Enos Rake Straw and Chris Abrams Drain out there, they're as tough as anybody on those corners. But this is a this is a rivalry game. This is a crazy game um, between these two, a trophy game, all this kind of stuff. There, there's always. Uh, interesting twists and turns in the game between Arkansas and Missouri. So it'll be interesting to see just, I want to know those two things. How inspired does Arkansas play with knowing Sam Pittman is going to be coming back? There's no longer that doubt or that worry or that fear or stress around the program. And then Missouri, you know, we've talked about it, how this has been an unbelievable year, a tremendous season, a great coaching job by Eli Drinkwitz, um, really developed it, some guys from good players into household-type names with, with Cody Schrader, with Brady Cook. Everybody, of course, knows Luther Burden, who is uh, in the contention for the Blitnikoff Award. So lots of, uh, lots of praise to be thrown around for Missouri. However, it's important to realize that Missouri has not arrived to where they want to be yet. They want to be uh, at the point where they're playing for a a conference championship, right? They they and then and then playing subsequently for a college football playoff spot. Well, they've fallen just short of that this year. But the the identity and the marker of a great team, the true measure of greatness, is consistency. So even with injuries, can they have some depth? Can they have some resolve? Um, can they have the 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 character and the DNA traits of being great? Can they come out and be consistent against an Arkansas team that they should beat? That's why Vegas thinks you're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, especially without without Rocket Sanders over there for, for the Razorbacks. Now, I just want to know how much can Sam Pittman and potentially this being the last game, like I said, for guys like K.J. Jefferson, guys like Hudson Clark, all of these guys over there for Arkansas that have a decision to make, it's going to be interesting to see just how inspired they play in what could be their last game for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And and then, like I said, 
you know, injuries are part of the game and you have to overcome them if you're Missouri and find ways to have that depth behind the teams that are that behind those guys, those starters that are are the key key players in those positions and being able to come up with some kind of uh, game plan that that overcomes those those key injuries, particularly if there's a lot of them. So it'll be a big game here for the big three for Missouri with Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, and Luther Burden is all of those guys are healthy and should be able to go listed as probable by Eli Drinkwitz. And then the only other question, guys, I've got to ask this week is how will Jaden Daniels put his stamp on this Heisman Trophy conversation against Texas A&M? Uh, 10.5-point favorites. They're going to be an early kick there. It's going to be 11 o'clock Central Time kick there. And he's got an opportunity in that early window uh, to have people eyes on him. You know, And the, the only thing that's, that stinks about that is that some of these voters okay, are going to be watching that, that Ohio State and Michigan game during that time. And the only thing that I hate about these Heisman Trophy voters is that a lot of times, guys, they're not even really paying attention to what to, to all the games that they should be watching, and they they watch more more regionally or just watch the 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 big game in that window and things like that. And then they come back and they watch highlights and and things of that nature. And I'm telling you, if you just do that with Jane Daniels, even though his highlights are tremendous, it doesn't do justice for all that this guy does. I mean, even some of the the routine plays for Jaden Daniels are spectacular in the way that he's able to escape, evade a rush, extend plays, um, just how much of a burden he has handled over the last two seasons for LSU with not only throwing the ball, but with his legs and, and the amount of the punishment that, that he's taken. And he's still able to be one of the most explosive players in all of college football. I think that today, if I was a Heisman voter, I would definitely cast my vote in favor of Jaden Daniels because I know how difficult the SEC is. People want to talk about Michael Penix Jr. and they want to talk about Bo Nix and what they've done at Oregon and at Washington and 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 the Pac-12, and that's fine. I know they've put up some big numbers, but no, nobody, nobody has been able to – you take Jaden Daniels off this team, and I know Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be a fine quarterback, but you take Garrett Nussmeyer off this team – for LSU, and you're talking to a team that may not even be bowl eligible with as bad as that defense has been. There's been several times where he's just pulled them out of the fire by producing and, and distributing the ball to Malik Neighbors, to Kyron Lacey. He's definitely as important as any player in college football to his team, and I think overall you would consider Jaden Daniels the best player in college football, and he's going to get a chance to Prove that against a very, very good Texas A&M defense. For all the ills of that Texas A&M program, playing good defense and having talent on defense has typically not been one of them. So, Jane Daniels was a big opportunity. I do hope people will, uh, you know, especially people that have that that coveted Heisman vote. Uh, now, it's not as coveted as it used to be. There's 800, you know, Heisman voters. It's a, it's a ton of them. But I hope those people that do have that Heisman vote We'll do a little split-screen action, maybe have Michigan uh, and Ohio State going on silently on one screen, but have your eyes on on Jaden Daniels. Have your eyes on what he's doing there because that takes A&M defense. And this, that's my question is, is, one, how many 
Heisman voters will watch it. And two, can Jaden Daniels just put on a undeniable performance that locks him in with that award? And, uh, you know, he's got three losses. It's happened before. You look at Lamar Jackson when he won it, things of that nature. So it's happened before. It doesn't have to be a team that's in the in the national championship picture. Um, but can Jaden Daniels do enough to win the Heisman this week? That's my questions this week for the different teams. We talked about the questions for Florida State and Florida, the questions for Arkansas and Missouri, and the questions for Jaden Daniels and LSU. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We appreciate you being a part of the SEC Morning Report here. Subscribe, like, turn on notifications, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure to check out the work that Chris Lee, Blake Lovell are doing here, Gavin Schoenwald, a lot of contributors here on the channel. College basketball's up and running. Nobody does a better job of covering ACC basketball, I feel like, than, than Blake Lovell and the guys here, Max Barr, all the guys here on the channel. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, like I said, I'm Blaine Gilmer, and we will catch you guys next time right here on Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC sports.